Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's Safety and Health webcast, Achieving Your 2021 Safety Goals Using Mass Notification, sponsored by Single Wire Software. My name is Kevin Drulli. I'm an associate editor with Safety and Health Magazine, and I will be moderating today's session. Thanks for joining us. We hope you all are safe and well amid the COVID-19 pandemic. In a few minutes, we'll start the presentation, but first I wanna go over some preliminary items. The views of today's speakers and organizations are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health Magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise, product, or publication does not mean the council or magazine endorses those items. At the end of today's webcast, we will conduct a question and answer session. To ask a question, simply click the Q&A button at the bottom of your screen, type your question, and click the send button. Feel free to ask your question at any time during the presentation. You don't have to wait for the question and answer session to begin. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible, but because of the large number of participants today, we might not get to every question. Any unanswered questions will be forwarded along to today's speakers. In addition, our presenters will be making slides of today's presentation available for download. At the end of the webcast, you'll be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey that will appear on a separate screen. We will let you know more about that after the presentation. This webcast is archived, so you can access it after today's live event. To view this webcast and all of our past webcasts, go to safetyandhealthmagazine.com events. You may also receive a link in a post-event email. With that, let's go ahead and get started. Our speakers today are Pat Sheckle and Aaron McGee. Pat is Executive Vice President of Product Management at SingleWire Software and a leading developer of mass notification solutions. He brings more than 15 years of experience in helping organizations across a wide spectrum of industries with implementing tools that enhance safety and communication and is keenly aware of the challenges organizations face when trying to keep people safe and informed. Pat and his team are committed to ensuring every organization can reach their people with important safety updates everywhere, every time. Aaron is safety manager at Autokumpu and brings 18 years of experience as an EHS expert including 15 years in the oil and gas industry in Southeast Asia and South America before transitioning to the steel industry. I'm excuse me, steel industry. Again, we thank you all for being here today. Pat, whenever you're ready, go ahead and take it away. Thank you, Kevin. So just a little bit about us, your sponsor, Single Wire Software. Uh, we are based in Madison, Wisconsin, um, where we have weather uh, like Texas's weather, uh, at least this week. Um, and we have about 120 people now on staff. We have about 7,000 customers around the world uh, in nearly 90 countries. We've been at this quite a while. SingleWire has been around since 2009. And we've won a number of awards really for taking a different approach to mass notification. And there's a few distinctions here between what we're doing and what the bulk of the industry is doing. Most of the industry is very focused on reaching people on mobile phones, and, and we do that. And, and you're gonna hear about that from Aaron here uh, in a minute, because that's really the, the crux of what they're doing. But in addition to reaching people on mobile phones, we can reach people on uh, on-premises devices at the same time. So sending text, audio, images to on-premises devices, things that are on your network, like your desk phones, broadcasting to them, not calling them because it gets there far faster and you don't have to pick up the phone, it just turns every phone into an emergency notification speaker. Same thing with computer desktops, popping up to the front of your windows, playing audio out the speakers, uh, and then going to all the other things as well. 
but it's that intrusiveness of streaming audio that really grabs people's attention. Of course, life safety industry figured this out quite a while ago, and that's why every fire alarm has both blaring audio as well as uh, as well as a flashing indicator. And in many uh, jurisdictions, with the advancement of more recent NFPA um, regulations, you're seeing you're seeing or the code you're seeing it move more towards. Uh, spoken audio, which is is a big part of what we do, either recorded or live spoken audio streaming out on a lot of devices. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about our product today. That's that's really it. I encourage you to go to singwear.com slash demo, and you can see all of this come to life um, where we give a demonstration inside one of our demo rooms. And to that end, if you would like, we'll give you a live demonstration of the product. I have two quick customer scenarios now that I'm gonna talk about actual cases that, uh, that came to be and how they dealt with these problems using mass notification before we get to Aaron, who's gonna tell you about his own experience. So this was a, a large hospital system in the upper Midwest. They had a situation where a troubled young man drove to their property, parked the car in the parking lot, and then they thought they had an active shooter event. It turned out it, it was still a tragic event, but it wasn't an active shooter. It turns out the, the young man took his own life with a gunshot. Safety was alerted about this, and they sent out an alert to all of their people, 30,000 staff. Uh, this is before they had Informacast. A lot of people didn't receive the message. And because of that, there was a, a postmortem, an after-action review and survey that was done people wanted to, they wanted to understand how did people want to be notified? So what we did this first time didn't work. What would you like to do next time? And the results were really interesting. People came back and said they wanted to be notified based on whatever they happened to be doing at the time of the incident. So if they were walking in between two buildings in the skyway, they said, I want that speaker in the overhead to tell me something's happening. If they were off campus and maybe driving in, they said, I want to be notified via an SMS text message. If they were at their desk, they said, I want a pop-up that, that notifies me, and so on. So really interesting, people selected all these different communication methods or modalities, but the key takeaway is you don't know where you're going to be the next time something like this happens. And it really just underscores the need to have a multimodal system of notification. Now we're moving on to uh, an SEC university um, example. And I've always had a problem with this particular slide because the graphic showed people in, in winter gear and the SEC, of course, never has that sort of weather again until this week. Um, so I guess maybe we're to blame for that. Uh, but uh, in this case, they had a situation where there was a gunman in the, in the campus area, unrelated to the campus. It was in the community, but that gunman ran through the university property. And so they wanted to send out an alert and while they had done drills in the past, they hadn't really had this sort of full-scale alert where they need to send to so many people at once and um, on all these different, again, communication methods. And th when they did that, they, they learned that it took them 10 to 12 minutes to fully get the message out because they would log into one system and send it. So into email, um, update the university webpage, send it out uh, to Twitter, send it out to the giant voice outdoor speakers that notified the common areas, the outdoor areas, and so on. And because they had these different systems, they were logging in, creating the text, the content, and then sending times six to eight. And it took 10 to 12 minutes to get that all the way out to all those different methods. 
And they realized that's a, that's a big issue because by that time the gunman had already run all the way through campus and was into another part of the community and was no longer uh, was no longer a threat. So what they did then is they tied it all together using Informacast to send one message to all of these different modalities. And they now have it down to, it says two minutes here, they're now down to less than a minute for it to be reached by all of those different modalities. So that's just a little bit of background on us, your sponsor, SingleWire and our platform, Informacast. But um, you know, now I'd like to uh, introduce um, Aaron McGee. I'm just gonna pause for a second. I know we were looking at doing a, uh, a poll question. Um, so let's, let's launch our first poll right now. This is a real simple one here. You'll see it pop up on your screen. Uh, have you had an incident in the past year where you've had to invoke your business continuity or critical event plan? Um, so, you know, for many of you that may have been the pandemic, um, you know, for others, you may have had something else where you had to invoke that plan, but this is something that, you know, ultimately, you know, when you're looking at mass notification, a lot of it has to do with business continuity. Uh, it has to do with responding to critical events. And that's really what we're trying to get at here. So we'll see. The results popped up. We have 43% saying yes, they have had to, they have had an incident in the past year where they've had to invoke their business continuity or critical event plan. And 57% say no. So roughly evenly split. Um, thank you for that. We'll have one more poll question a little later. So now we're going to talk to Aaron. Uh, and Aaron is the safety manager um, at Autokumpu. And uh, Aaron, I got to admit, you know, I had, I had not heard of Autokumpu before you became uh, a customer of SingleWire. And anytime I look at that company name, I think of Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is the Greek <laughs> freak, the, the center for the, uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, yeah. I, yeah. So. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Aaron. So uh, once again, my name is Aaron McGee. I am the safety manager here at Atacupu Saint the Steel in Calvert, Alabama, which is about 45 minutes outside of Mobile, Alabama. Uh, I've been here at this facility uh, coming up on three years. Uh, my background is that of um, oil and gas before coming into the steel industry. And um, it's been a really good experience with the switch over um, in making stainless steel. We supply different companies um, with either coal stainless steel or with plate stainless steel, anything from your stainless steel sinks, washing machines, refrigerators, uh, parts that might go in automobile vehicles, uh, parts that might go into a microwave, something that might go into um, a toaster. So we supply all um, different distributors uh, with the raw material that they take and press and make the different items that, uh, that you all buy. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, just, I mean, looking at that plant floor, it, it looks amazing. And I think, you know, when, when you're talking to people and you think about the products or the, the business that they're in, I'm, stainless steel, I think is something that, I don't know anyone who doesn't like stainless steel, put it that way. I mean, this stuff is it's just, it's just an incredibly clean, powerful look to it. And I think, uh, I think it's, it's, it's really cool what you guys are doing there. Yeah, I think the only time that people don't like it is when you get it in your house and you're trying to clean it and you can't find the <laughs> correct thing to use to get it clean. You get the fingerprints away. The fingerprints, right? Yeah, I guess I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, good. Well, yeah, I, 
during the introduction that Kevin gave, uh, gave a little bit of your background when you and I had talked earlier, I not, was not uh, fully aware of that. Just you, you worked uh, around the world, it sounds like, Southeast Asia and South America when you were in oil and yeah. gas. And, yeah. Yeah, so Southeast Asia, uh, South America, uh, mostly in uh, Singapore, uh, uh, India, Malaysia, uh, a little bit in the Philippines, Pakistan, uh, different, different areas um, in oil and gas. And I think this is one of the things, uh, single wire, uh, where oil and gas is at now, especially in the office setting, would be a great tool for them. And I've uh, still have friends who work in oil and gas, and I've told them about it and uh, said, hey, man, you know, this would be, this would be really good for you. Yeah, uh, we, we do certainly have customers in oil and gas and energy in general, uh, and they tend to have very high notification needs. Just the idea that you have people that are spread across a, a wide geographic area. Um, we saw a big uptick after some of the um, some of the hurricane activity in, in, in Texas and the Gulf Coast uh, for that very reason, because ultimately a number of our customers come to us after there's an event and they realize that their communications weren't as tight as they would have liked. And, um, and, and that's what happened in that case. They had the, you know, hurricane, which, which spun off tornadoes, which caused all sorts of problems. And, and, um, and that, that generated a, a bit of activity there. So tell us uh, a little bit about your role at the company, your safety manager, as I understand it, what all, what all does a day entail for you? Well, the thing I can tell is that we have over 1,100 employees on site, so uh, a nice-sized facility. We share this facility with another company who does the carbon steel uh, side of things. And what it tells is that just basically being out on the floor, talking with people, seeing what, you know, what's going on, what we can do to make things better. And um, this is how uh, Single Wire came about, just communicating with different people out on the floor from the standpoint of trying to get information out, uh, letting people know what's going on, uh, letting team members know how they could do certain things. And um, it's, when you're talking about uh, 1,100 people and trying to cover the full site, uh, talking with people, that's a lot of ground to cover. So it's a whole lot better to use a uh, single wire to send those, uh, that communication out in the process of uh, holding those communications every day. Gotcha. So what is top of mind for you today? Not necessarily related to mass notification, but just like what are the two or three things that are, you know, at the top of your work list for this week? Well, one of the one of the biggest things is everybody know you've been dealing with COVID. But uh, one of the other things is uh, that we've been dealing with is emotional impairment, because this has been a toll on a lot of people. The, uh, the COVID related things, uh, debating between whether to get the vaccine or not. So we're just going around this week uh, holding those one on one meetings. With, uh, with team members and just kind of checking to see, you know, what that emotional state is. Um, you know, if you're impaired, because people have, you know, we say outside of the gate, the fence line, have a lot of things going on that you never know that might be taking place, but making it personal and talking to them to see where they're at and making sure everybody's okay. Yeah, I think that's, that's more important than ever. Obviously, we've been dealing now with, with the pandemic for nearly a year in terms of, you know, not being in the office every day, not being locked down. I'm here today. Um, but you know, we're still very much a skeleton crew. Um, as far as coming to the office, most of our people work from home and, uh, you know, depending on the industry that, you know, that's the, that's the case for, um, for a lot of, uh, organizations, certainly not for yours. People have to be there to, to yeah. operate the, the plant floor. Um, but we do see 
we do see varying levels and obviously depends, you know, on the geography that you're in, in terms of what the governmental mandates are and yeah. as well as, you know, with the level of the virus and so forth. But I think what you're, what you're talking about in terms of checking in with people and making sure that they're okay um, is really important because we've, we've been at this for a while and for them, you know, even as vaccinations are ramping up, it, it's going to be a while before, um, before things are, you know, a hundred percent back to normal. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So um, tell us a little bit about your mass notification journey. Um, when did you implement Informacast? Did it replace something else? Uh, that sort of thing. Okay. So we've had Informacast coming up on two years now. And what happened was that we really did not have a way to get communications out if we had something, an incident might have happened at the facility and we had to shut the facility down if, uh, due to weather-related uh, things. Everything was by email, or you was, or we was relying on the team lead or the supervisor for different areas to text or either try to call their employees to let them know what was going on. Um, and what happened is that we had a uh, snowstorm. Uh, Rose was froze over um, right at right at three years ago, and at that time, people didn't know whether the plant was open, whether it was closed, having a call. So we had no communications to get it out there. Um, everyone has a work email, but a lot of people, you know, but if you're not in a certain position, your work email doesn't go to your personal phone. So it was a, uh, a huge headache that we didn't have a way to make sure our people were safe, not to get on the roads, not to travel. Uh, either trees are down, power lines are down. We couldn't let them notify because where we're actually located at is outside of uh, the city limits pretty much. And it is in a rural area. So therefore, people have to travel anywhere from 45 minutes up to two hours to actually get to the facility. So if someone has traveled two hours and they get to the front gate and the gates are closed, you know, now they're looking at having to turn around and go back home. So that was one of the main reasons that we really needed to find something that would uh, protect our people and have them, you know, not get on the roads when it wasn't safe. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, when people like talked about people have different different uh events you know the two case studies before we started talking are you know organization had an event they may have had something in place but it was it wasn't up to meeting the demands of the situation um and it sounds like that's that's what you experienced as well so um you talked about weather what are some of your other main notification use cases how are you using mass notification to to be more resilient well, one of the things that we're doing is that uh, lately here, uh, we, we do a lot of shipping out uh, using rail car. And sometimes what happens is that the trains will shut down. So we have to notify employees. Um, when you're talking about 600, 600 people per day that's coming through our gates and we sit on the other side of the railroad track. Um, people are coming, trying to leave, trying to get to work. So we use it to send out a notification to take the alternate route that we open up another gate for everyone to be able to come through. Because what happens is that, and not only that, but it gives us the opportunity to um, notify uh, other people to say, hey, you know, our contractors also, and listen, you know, this area is shut down. You can't come this way. We don't want you to, uh, you know, be blocked by the train. And we can pretty much let them know when this area is going to open back up or the railways, the, the rail track is going to be open. Yeah, yeah, that sounds, 
that sounds like a really nice service, frankly. Like you don't want to be in your car heading to the wrong exit and then get blocked by a train and kind of gets, you know, get stuck there and not be able to get out. So that, Correct. you know, not an emergency necessarily, but, you know, mass notification is about both emergencies and about just day-to-day events and, and workflow and that sort of thing. So it's really nice you're able to do that for your workforce and give them a heads up as to what's going on. Um, are there any others, you know, whether this, this rerouting of the, of the, of the train, um, talked a little bit about um, letting them know where to report, you know, when we talked earlier um, and maybe some COVID related notifications that you're doing as well. Yes, we've, uh, we've used it to send out COVID notifications um, as reminders, just, uh, you know, by text, by phone call, uh, email, letting them know, uh, hey, you know, here's what we're doing, you know, washing your hands, Sometimes we just sit, you know, just send it out over the weekend when people are off, and just as a reminder, just say, hey, you know, as you're out, you know, make sure you're, hey, you having, you putting your mask on, you're uh, washing your hands, you're using your hand sanitizer, and also to notify when we're doing uh, different events. We might have something that comes up overnight, and we say, hey, you know, the mill is going to be opening up a little bit later today. So just to notify people that way, they're, you know, once again, you're not driving, and then you're going to be waiting to uh to get in so it is uh it has been a big help in regards to when you're talking about 1100 people either you're trying to rely on the manager to call them text them you know you're trying to send an email out and you had nobody but now uh as we get new employees that come in we show them how to download it to their phones so that way you know they're they're in there from the very beginning and that way nobody misses out Hmm. and you, you know you have to encourage everyone to uh, to put it to the phone so that way they don't miss out on communications that we're sending out. Yeah, I want to follow up on that last point because that's something that we hear from from prospects, from customers, um, and it's it's a discussion topic in the industry in general. Just driving up the number of um, of people that are that are opting in. If in fact you have opt in, I mean, of course, you do have the ability to tie into a directory. Um, you know, whatever your source of truth is, and that can synchronize automatically. But that's only going to be as good as the contact information that the person, the in this case, the employee is giving you. You know, right. so if they if they get a new cell phone, if they have two cell phones, if they have um, if they have a secondary number of any kind, uh, and if anything changes, you know, they have to tell you that. And um, and I'm just wondering how you manage that. How do you increase that opt-in rate and, and, and getting good information? Well, one of the things is that when we first, uh, everyone comes in, we ask them to say, hey, make sure the number that you give us is, is your emergency contact number. So that way we can, you know, we have the same number because you might have a different, like you said, two cell phones. What number is their emergency contact number so that we can put that number into the system? So we send the mass communication out, it goes to that phone. Uh, we also, at every safety meeting that we hold, uh, at our team meetings that we hold, we're steadily telling the team members, hey, you really need to opt in so that everybody gets the message at the same time. Because one thing that I forgot to say was that before we had this, uh, had the single wire system, we had multiple messages going out and none of the messages were alike. So you could have one person telling one person and then by the time they got to the fifth person, it was something totally different from the original message. So this cut out on all of the confusion and um, wrong communication, wrong message 
that was going. And the same, you know, everybody, 1,100 people getting the same message at the same time. So that way it was any, no, no more confusion. Everybody knew when to come in. Everybody know, hey, what time we're going to open back up. Everybody knew if we saying, hey, we're going to be watching the weather. We're going to keep you updated. Because it used to be that we had a weather line that people, that the team members would have to call into to get information on, hey, the mill is doing this, that, and the other. But now with single wire, we just send it out. And then we say, hey, we're going to send another reminder out, another update out at this particular time. And then we can send that out also. Yeah, so it, it, you're doing a push of information as opposed to requiring them to pull it, which is yes. is just going to be vastly different in terms of the percentage of people that actually understand what's happening. I, I like how you describe the the game we used to play as kids. We just call it telephone, right? Which, um, although my kids, if I said that, they they probably wouldn't have any idea what that means now. <laughs> They'd be like, I mean, I'm I'm staring at a screen in my hand, but you know, in the back in the you know when we were kids, you would play it. Even like I remember in in school one time we you know we you whispered in the ear of the person next to you they turn and do the same and it would, it would wind its way all the way through the classroom and you would see what it sounded like when it got to the end yeah. and sometimes it would be vaguely familiar um, but ultimately I I went to school with some pranksters and so it would turn out to be something um, something just insane that had to do with the the teacher and um, and was you know, unrepeatable. So in any case, um, whether, whether someone's trying to deliberately sabotage your communications by playing telephone, or it's just human nature and people hear things and then repeat it incorrectly, um, that, yeah, it's obviously no way to, to conduct, you know, good business communications. So blasting it out to everybody and making sure that they, that they receive the official line is, is important. Because when you're talking about a minimum of 10 different departments, so that's 10 different people that's making that was making that phone call or sending that email. And even though one might've come out from our communications department, the way they took it, uh, changed it up, you know, broke it down, this, that, and the other, that went out. It was totally different by the time all of the team members got the message. So with this yeah. right here, we have no, we have no, we have no confusion. There's a, we have three people who can send the messages message out. And that's the way that we that we do that. And everybody enjoys it. It's like, hey, now we all got the same information. I'm curious um, how you deal with uh, contractors, guests, that sort of thing. People who aren't permanently on your payroll, your employees, but you know may come and work there for a day, a week, what have you. How are are you having them enroll in the system, or are they not? Today. We haven't had them to enroll in uh, in our system. Uh, we rely on that message that goes out to the person who they're actually working with within our company, uh, okay. and they will relay that message over to them. Okay, okay, that's something that that we hear quite a bit of, um, and there are a couple of ways of doing it. Um, so we hear people wanting to do that, even for like guests. You know, like I'm at the facility for a meeting. I might be there for ninety minutes they will put out a, a placard that says text hashtag alert to this number. And then they're, they're enrolled in what's called a campaign and, and they're there, uh, which can be as, you know, as little as a day. Okay. Um, so that's something we do. We do see some folks doing. I was just curious what, what you were up to there. Um, and then, you know, the self that, that self-enrollment self-registration is something that, um, that became you know increasingly important because um more and more organizations have have some level of transient workforce. 
Yeah. You know, and I, and I would just say this to everyone is that it, it's very important uh, from your new hires that you're bringing in to uh, employees who you have that have been there for years to make sure that you know, they understand why we're doing this. You know, it's, it's not about, hey, we're trying to get control of your phone or anything like that, because we had those questions coming up. Hey, I don't want to put that app on. That's just a way for IT. No, this is not through IT. Uh, we had to hold that. Once we once we did that explanation and told everybody, you know, the purpose behind it, our numbers started going up of everyone enrolling. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons that uh, that people are are seem to be a little more comfortable with SMS than they are with an app. And we have we have an app just like everybody else does, right? You can install it on a, on an iPhone or on an Android phone, and it will send push notifications to that phone. And it's actually a better experience, you know, in, in, in the sense that it gives you not just the text or the message, but you can include an image, you can include audio and press play and, and listen to the audio message. Whereas with, when you're sending a text, you only get the text. On both of them, you can have message confirmation. So there's no difference there. But um, we see a lot more people still using SMS and, and not using the, the push notifications to the app probably for that reason, like they just, you know, compelling people to install an app that they associate with work. You know, they're like, hold on, you know, what are you going to be doing with that? There's, there's a certain hesitancy to that. So I can certainly understand what you're saying there. Yeah, because we had to tell them, hey, the app is free. It's not going to cost you anything. It's not any extra money on your telephone bill monthly. You know, this is taken care of by the company. So, you know, it was, it was a lot that we had to go through. Uh, to get everyone to get on board, but now um, it, it's like it's, it's like clockwork. You know, as they come in, we tell them about it. They sign up, they get on, and uh, and we're doing really good. That's good. That's really good to hear. Um, did you have any challenges in the rollout of the project? You said you know the incident happened roughly three years ago. Um, you've been running Informicast for a little over two. Um, did you have any challenges getting off the ground? And how'd you the only, well, the only challenge was uh, convincing everyone of the app. And uh, we actually, you know, brought people in, uh, did a test run saying, hey, this is a test. And just showing them, hey, here's what you're going to get. Here's what you're going to hear. You know, this is what you're going to see. And as we uh, took our time just talking to everyone and explaining and showing it to them, um, the apprehension went away and they started to sign up. It was just that the, the, really for the first year, it was really hard getting people to sign up because they didn't want to. Um, they were like, oh, we don't need that. And then as we started to convince them more and more, um, we started holding meetings and we would go in and we would just get you know, 30, 35 people at a time before the, the pandemic where we could have that many people in the, in the room and get them, show them phone by phone, you know, how to put the app on their phone, you know, giving the information to uh, Ms. Ellen, who's our administrator, to put all, everything into the system and everybody. And that was the way that we did it. We just did it. We did it group by group. Yeah, that's, that's smart. You know, the, the other thing too about just, I should mention for those who are thinking about, because you're talking a lot about the app, right? And, that, and I think, again, the app is a better experience if we could just convince everyone to use it. Um, but the other thing you get with the app is if you're in a plant environment like this and, and, uh, you're, you're not in good cell range, right? As long as that phone can get a data connection, it could be over Wi-Fi, could be over cellular. Um, 
you're going to get the message, right? Whereas with SMS, you got one way, you've got cellular. It, you know, if you're not, if you're in an area where cellular coverage isn't good, but Wi-Fi is, you're not going to get the SMS text message, whereas you would get that message using the app. And that's one, so that, and that's one of the things is that we have, we have team members who live in, in uh, real rural areas uh, that was, you know, sometimes they couldn't get a call in because where they lived at, you know, they didn't have internet service. So they wasn't getting the emails that we were sending out, but with the single wire and once they put these apps to their phones, they was getting these messages and then they was able to contact say, Hey, you know, other people who lived in that area and giving them the same message or forwarding that message on to them if they didn't have it already. So that was another reason we, our numbers started to go up because we would have one person who had it. They was in an area where other people didn't have it. They would come back and say, Hey, I really need to get this added onto my phone. Oh yeah. Yeah. So kind of word of mouth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So what do you plan on doing next when it comes to mass notification and, uh, and disaster recovery and so forth? We're, we're looking at, at, at several different things um, to see how we can get this tied into. We have what we call communication boards around our facility, which are like TVs trying to get it tied into that. Uh, it's not really tied to a speaker system, but it can actually go to that TV, that TV that are, all around the mill that people walk by and they see all the time and having it where it goes up there in a flash. Looking at um, the notifications going to the laptops or the desktops that people have, whether they're at home working, as long as they're connected to our um, to our system, having it to pop up on their desktop so they can see it and know what's going on. Um, that's the next step that we're taking because we're, uh, we're really pushing to get to 100% with our team members on uh, having the apps on their phones. And then the next steps will be uh, what I was just talking about. That's interesting. So we're going to do a couple things here. I'm going to ask you one more question, and then we're going to have a okay. poll question, and then we're going to take Q&A from uh, the audience. I've seen a number of questions come in here as we've been talking. So the last question I have for you is just what advice do you have for someone who's looking at either implementing mass notification for the first time or, or making a change to you know, what they're doing today? The one thing that I will say um, from the safety side is that uh, when you're really looking out for your team members, it is one of the best systems that you could get. Uh, you really wouldn't, you know, with trees being down and the way that we've used this in this area that we're in, uh, it would be really hard for me to go and see someone's family because we didn't get the message out to them in regards to something was in the road, coming to work, the plant was shut down, they was traveling back. But by doing this and having this mass communication, we don't miss out on uh, we don't miss on getting the message out, getting the right message out, not by hearsay, but by what is actually going on and getting it to them. So I would encourage everyone, if you're looking to get a mass communication system, this is this is the way to go. Yeah, that's that's good advice. So let's do our we have one more poll question. Let's let's uh, launch that and. Um, and we'll, we'll take a look at that. And here we go. In what area has the pandemic most changed your approach to physical security planning? Remote worker communication is more important. Tracking access within facilities for contact tracing. Additional access controls to mitigate the movement of people. Or no change. So we'll wait for... Uh, for a few seconds for everyone to get your answer in on that. And then, like I said, the next thing after we discuss the results here a little bit, uh, the next thing that we'll do is we'll take Q&A. So 
um, go ahead and enter any questions you have in there and we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll try to get to all of those. So here are the results. Uh, so 53% said that, again, I'll just reread the question. What area has the pandemic most changed your approach to physical, physical security planning? Uh, remote worker communication is more important. Um, that's not a surprise. I mean, like I said, here at, at SingleWire, um, we have one physical location, it's in Madison, Wisconsin, and we have maybe 15 or 20 people showing up here every day, so very spread out. And, and so keeping in touch with the people that are not in the building is, is much more important um, than ever. Um, but a pretty even distribution here across uh, con the next two, contact tracing and then additional access controls to mitigate the movement of people. So you know, interesting how people are dealing with that too. So I'm gonna go ahead and close that out and then we'll get to the questions here. Um, and I can go ahead and, and uh, read these and um, unless Kevin, you wanted to take them and, and feed them too. I think you were gonna, you were gonna give those to us, Kevin, if you're ready. If, if that's okay, no, I, I know you've been comfortable with that with, with Aaron, but uh, whatever you prefer, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to. Yeah, go ahead. Why don't you read them off, uh, right. and, and we'll we'll take them as best we can. All right. Well, sounds great. No, great great job to you both, and, and we thank you for your insights and expertise. As Pat mentions, we are going to launch into the Q and A here in a moment. Before we do so, just want to remind everyone of the evaluation survey that we're going to be asking you to to complete. Uh, the survey will open on a different screen after this presentation, and we really do appreciate your input because it'll help us improve future webcasts. So we again do appreciate you taking that extra time to offer feedback. Um, we are seeing some questions coming in, and once more, if you'd like to ask a question, you just simply click the Q&A button at the bottom of the screen, type your question, and then click the send button. So with that, let's get going with some questions. Um, first one, what are some common mistakes organizations make when building their business continuity plan? Aaron, you want to take a first go at that, given you're the safety manager? I sure will. Well, one of the one of the biggest problems is not getting everybody involved when you're building the plan. Uh, a lot of times we can get uh, not everyone as far as our management team, team leads, uh, team members involved in what we need to do and how we need to go about doing it. And and that's one of the biggest things is just making sure you get everybody involved that needs to be involved and it will work out really good. Next one, uh, what do you see as the biggest challenges for organizations sharing emergency communications in the midst of the pandemic? Well, I would say uh, one of the biggest things is that a lot of times um, what we've experienced, uh, we have on Highway 43 where we're located at, there's about uh, 10 to 12 different facilities along here, anything from stainless steel, steel, uh, chemical companies, so forth, so on. Before the pandemic, there was never any calls in between the different uh, companies to share information. Since the pandemic started, we do a monthly call just to talk about, hey, what are you doing in regards to if there's a different product that you might be using that's going to help you from hand sanitizer to um, uh, antibacterial soaps that you're using. So this pandemic has pretty really pulled us together and made us hold conversations that we weren't holding in the past. And it's really working out for the good for everybody. Kind of continuing on that same vein, 
what do you think the threat landscape might look like in another year or two? Can you repeat that? I'm sorry. What do you think the threat landscape might look like in another year or two? I, I really hope that we're, uh, we're back to normal and not the new normal within the next, uh, next year or two. And, uh, and with that, I hope that uh, these, these meetings that we're holding will stay the same, that we're still you know, sharing information uh, and, and that we're not holding back any information that might help someone else. Yeah, I'll jump on that real quick. I think that you know, certainly we, we expect that a year or two from now, the pandemic to have subsided largely, if not entirely. Um, so there will always be some, you know, life will have changed somewhat. Um, but we also expect that, you know, you're seeing some, some trends um, co covered in safety and health and other places um, as far as uh, domestic terrorism, workplace violence, and things like that. So those are the things that we're kind of keeping an eye on. And obviously, we we hope that we don't have any of that, but you can kind of see um, some of those trends um, that have developed over the past couple of years. And there's, if you look, listen to the, you know, the FBI warnings and that sort of thing, as far as what they're forecasting, we see some of that uh, likely to increase. Next question says, mass notification companies have not placed much focus on construction companies when it comes to transient workers. What is being done to address contractors that are temporary or work on several different sites at different intervals? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you, we talked a little bit about that when um, I asked Aaron about his contractors or, or gas or that sort of thing. The idea that you can you can give people a very easy way to sign up, whether that's a QR code or um, telling them the text, you know, hashtag with a, a word. We always often use hashtag alert. Um, to a certain number and that subscribes them to a temporary campaign. Um, there are a number of ways to handle that self-registration um, where you, you email a link out um, and that sort of thing. So there's a number of different ways to do that. Um, and that, that's, that's really important. You know, there's a lot of, whether you're talking about manufacturing or construction, education, healthcare, all of those have a relatively high percentage of transient uh, population, whether that's transient workers in the form of contractors or parents, guests, patients, students, that sort of thing. Next one asks, do you have an after hour system for if a fire or ammonia alarms would go off that someone could call us or an alert could go out and let us know something is happening? And then the, the second part asks, can you create different groups such as an emergency response team that only gets notified of after hour items? Uh, well, the answer to both is the short answer is yes, we do have the capability to do both of those. Um, the, uh, the ammonia sensor one is interesting. Um, obviously ammonia is you know, really bad. If you breathe it, um, we have a, an ice cream manufacturer, you know, being from Wisconsin, I have to tell at least one dairy related story. It's mandatory. Um, there's a, an ice cream manufacturer that uses ammonia to kill the listeria bacteria at, at low temperatures. And they have the ammonia sensors tied into Informacast. So if that, if that happens, if the ammonia concentration in the air gets too high, they send out an alert. It used to be just a localized alarm in the area. Um, and that was fine until someone on a forklift went driving through the ammonia cloud. Now they've got a worker's comp claim, they're having trouble breathing, et cetera. So they tied in so it sends a plant-wide notice, just letting people know what area that ammonia sensor went off in. The plant is seven football fields in size. Um, and that, you know, that's very helpful. And, and then the, the other question was about grouping. 
uh, and reaching people that way. And, and when we look at setting up a customer and we take you through our discovery workbook, it's all about what are you, what behavior are you trying to get people to take? And that's ultimately why you're sending a notification is you want people to do something. Um, and so it's who, who's allowed to send the message? What are they sending? To what people are they sending it? And what do you want to have happen after the fact? Those are kind of the main things that we look at. And as it relates to grouping, if it's something like, uh, like some of the uh, instances Aaron was talking about with severe weather, you're going to send it to everyone who works at the plant. But if it's something smaller, like the ammonia sensor example that was asked about, you're not going to send that to the whole plant sometimes, you know, especially if it's an after hours alert, you want that to go just to maybe uh, an engineering team or maybe to a safety team. Uh, and then what happens after that, how you deal with that incident management is up to you, but we give you a few tools that you can deal with. One is you can automatically have a conference call go out. So you wouldn't use that for the whole company. You would use that just for the safety team, let's say. Call up 20 people and they would be, and would rotate through a handful of numbers on each of them until it brings them in. Now you're all together on a conference call. That's kind of the old school, school way of doing it, frankly, because the, the two newer ways of doing it are using collaboration tools, either sending that message into and creating a meeting in Microsoft Teams or in Cisco WebEx. So those are the other ways um, that we see people doing it. Um, but either way, you're looking at at being very tailored with where that message is going. All right, next one sort of brings up a scenario involving this idea of, of the information overload that's just everywhere we go and, and just sort of is looking for some feedback on how do you sort of navigate and judge um, when you have to decide what's pertinent info that needs to be sent to certain people or to, to blast it out to everyone. Yeah, I'd like Aaron to take a swing at that. Yeah, okay. go ahead. So one of the things that we do, we have a uh, we have a panel, a uh, four person panel, um, and that's the safety director, that is myself, that is uh, Miss Ellen, who's our administrator, and the operations director. And we get together and we say, okay, we need to send this message out um, to the whole company once the decision has been made that something needs to go out. So we have a panel that actually says, okay, we need to distribute this information. And we also mean say, no, no, this, this doesn't need to go out. Uh, we can just pretty much call these certain people and let them know what's going on. Or as you say, to that smaller group of people who need to be notified. Next one asks, did you have to offer any incentives to get employees to opt in? And our emergency messages separated from other more routine messages such as traffic, et cetera. Uh, no, we didn't have to offer any uh, any incentives for them to uh, to opt in. We just you know really just talked about it and told them the benefits of having it. Um, and and that was that was that was really that was really it there. And as far as the messages, uh, we can separate them in regards to this is the emergency message, and that's all in the message that goes out that um, with the alert and what you put in there and there I know that, hey, you know, we're gonna be watching the weather, we'll give you an update or hey, there's been a, this is the emergency uh, uh, message that we're sending out. So it's all in, in regards to the wording that you use. Next one asks, what are the minimum requirements for mass communication for the manufacturing industry? That's, that is a good question. Uh, I'm not sure if there, if there is a, a minimum requirement for mass communication. Uh, we, we didn't have one at all 
before we actually had uh, informal cast, our mass communication consisted of trying to call them on the cell phone, send a text, or uh, send out an email. And 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 that was that was a good questionnaire. I would really have to look that one up. Can the system notify a radius of devices based on latitude and longitude? For example, say, can you look for devices that are within a five mile radius from my location? Yeah, it's a it's a good question, and the answer is is unfortunately it depends. So there are there are look geolocation services in the system inside of Informicast. Um, and the, it depends, depends on, on what we're talking about. So um, there is iPods functionality. So if you're, if you're an authorized iPods sender, which would typically be like a county emergency management agency or the equivalent, um, then you can simply draw that polygon and then you have the ability to send out wide area emergency alerts. Um, that's one way. Um, the other way is if you're using the app, um, because if we're sending to SMS, we don't know where that's located and neither does anybody else for that matter. SMS isn't location dependent. But if you're using the app that runs on iOS or Android, as we were talking about with Aaron earlier, um, we do have the ability to send to a polygon because that app is using the location services. So we're not mapping where you are. So to address the earlier question of where some employees might be concerned that their employer can track them but you can draw a polygon and you can set it up in one of two ways, either exclusive or inclusive. So you can say everyone who's in this, in this area, I want you to receive this message. Or you can say um, if, when someone enters the area, they get the message. So there's a, a few different ways of doing it. That piece of functionality, that feature is called an area of interest. And you can assign an area of interest to go into a message template. So for example, if you're sending one type of message, you might not care about where they're located, whereas with another, you might, and you can differentiate based on that. All right. Well, we still have several questions, but just uh, a reminder, anyone, if, if you do have a question you'd like to ask of, of Pat or Aaron, simply click the Q&A button at the bottom of the screen, type your question, and click the send button. Um, next one now is asking, do you have concerns about overusing the system, maybe sending too many communications to workers? Uh, no, not at all. That's that's one of the reasons that we have our panel that we uh, we put together and we discuss before we send anything out, so that we do not overload. Because just like anything else, it goes off. They look at it and it's like, oh, it's just another message from SingleWire. That's not what we want. So we kind of limited what we're actually sending out and 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 talk about it before we send it out. What is the cost of the program? Is it a one-time cost or an annual fee? It's an annual subscription based on the number of users that you have. And we have full transparency on our pricing. If you go to singlewire.com slash pricing, you can find the pricing there. Next one, do you include people out of the organization in your system? I we, yes. So we addressed this to a certain extent. We talked about the, the transient population, uh, visitors, contractors, guests, patients, that sort of thing. You do have the ability to add them in. Um, either have them self-register or, uh, or use our user loader process to add them in bulk. This one's coming from a fellow Wisconsinite, Pat. Um, they, they denote that in the, in the phrasing. Uh, okay. They ask how specific could the, uh, it's, you know, they're following up on, on the earlier ammonia question, but asking how specific could the alerting system be for after hour alerts? For example, if our alarm is going off in an engine room A, 
would it be able to tell us that exactly what our system is, would it be able to tell us exactly what the system is alerting or would it just be a generic ammonia alarm? Uh, and they note that they've been doing some research on the company already and find the uh, website rather information. Yeah, the answer is it depends on the integration. So if, if it's merely a contact closure integration, which is just the mechanical, it's either on or it's off, you know, a door is open or closed, the, your doorbell, your typical doorbell, not your ring or nest doorbell, but your old school doorbell is a contact closure. If that's the only information we're getting, then you wouldn't get specific information from that ammonia sensor. But if you have, if it's a, if it's system-based, meaning it can talk to our API um, or can send us a common alerting protocol feed or an email um, or an RSS feed. There are a number of programmatic ways is what I'm trying to say. So is it, if it's beyond just the mechanical and there's a programmatic way to give us that information, then we can pass that through in the payload of the message, which people do all the time for all sorts of different systems, whether it's the same thing with a fire alarm. So at the most rudimentary level, you wanna know, did the fire alarm go off in my building? That's good to know, but it would be better to know was the fire alarm, was, was the pull station on the east side of floor three pulled? That's better to know, right? So that's the sort of distinction information we're talking about. We do have the ability to receive that information. It just depends on the inbound system. Does it have the intelligence to send us that sort of information? Next question says, you've told us all the pros, but now what are some cons, meaning are there any glitches that have been found where communications have been hampered either by a poor signal, power issues, et cetera? Yeah, so we'll, I'll take it real quick and then you can, you can jump in, Aaron. You know, there, no system is, is 100% perfect and every system is relying on sending through other means, right? Like we rely on, on, uh, on the carriers um, just as everybody else does. Uh, if we're sending to your on-premises devices, we're relying on your own data network um, to get the messages to your desk phones, desktops, overhead paging system, digital signage. Uh, and there are, there are going to be issues. Uh, everyone has issues at some point in time. And power could be one of them if you're talking about the on-premises devices. Cell signal, as we talked about earlier, could be one you're talking about mobile phones. Um, and that's really why sending to lots of different communication methods is important because you build in some method of redundancy there. So if you're only sending SMS text messages, we know based on research that's been published in the Journal of Homeland Security that on average, you're gonna get about 80% of your population by doing that because of a whole litany of issues. Um, people not opting in, bad cell coverage, et cetera. Um, and that's why adding additional communication methods is important because it gets you a lot closer to 100% of your desired population. Thank you, Anthony. I was along that same line. Yeah. All right, well, no, we still have some time folks and still have some questions, but again, if uh, anything that you'd still would like to ask, just click that Q and A button at the bottom of the screen, type your question and click send. So. Next one, what about uh, public service for critical alarms? Public service for critical alarms. I'm not sure I, I'm not sure I understand exactly what that question is getting at. Do you want, do you want to take a swing at reinterpreting it, Kevin? Or <laughs> That's, we can ask um, 
it's it's Robert. If he still happens to to be on, if he can feel free to extrapolate in in the Q and A, that's that's all that's that's there at the moment. Um, so we can we can move now to the next one in, in the interim. Again, Robert, uh, if if you want to expound on that, feel free in, in the Q and A. Um, next one asks: are, are we limited to the number of groups or subsets that we can send alerts to per license? No, not in any way. I'm being informed now, um, Robert, I think may have logged off, not, not to single him out in any way. I just know that he, he'd be the one to, to expound on that. That's just, again, it just had asked, what about public service for critical alarms? So um, at the moment, the, the queue is all dried up, uh, or no, I'm sorry. Uh, there's one license for the entire company or based on number of users. It is, it is user-based um, and the, the like with everything, the price per user goes down as the number of users goes up. And you can go to singlewire.com slash pricing and you can see it broken down um, and the different tiers and how that works. Well, you both, you both have been quite thorough and I know there's still some time for folks to ask, but any in the interim right now, anything left unsaid or that you, anything else you'd like folks to know today? I'd just like to thank everyone for their time and attention and to just reiterate something I said at the top, which is we'd love to give you a demonstration of the software because when you, when you see it, you'll really, you really understand it, bring some of these use cases to life. You can see a recorded demo at slash demo, singware.com slash demo, um, or let us know if you'd like to see a, a live um, a demonstration where we'll show you all of this happening in real time and we can tailor it to talk to your specific use cases. Thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to say I really appreciate uh, being invited to be one of the speakers today. Uh, this has been an uh, enjoyable uh, time for me to, to share how Single Wire works for us. And uh, if there's any questions, uh, I'm not sure if my email is out there, feel free to reach out to me and I can tell you more. All right. Well, we're very good. No, thanks to you both. Uh, unfortunately, we've, I guess we've run out of time and run out of questions. Um, as Aaron indicates, though, you can, you can send anything additionally along, but uh, all of today's questions that we've received, we, we appreciate you both answering them. Uh, once again, hope that everyone takes the time to fill out the evaluation survey to provide feedback. Uh, with that, we end today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast. I'd like to thank Pat Sheckle, Aaron McGee, everyone at Single Wire Software, and all of you who listened in. Thanks and have a great day. Thank you. Have a good one.